And the greeting is telling us, um, you know, John is so excited to tell us, verse 7 and 8 especially, that Christ is coming back. That's what this book is ultimately about. And so that this morning we, get, we come to the first part of the book where John actually starts to describe to us what happened to him when he received these visions from God on the island of Patmos. And let me jump ahead here because I just went through that for you. Let's go to part number three this morning is where we're at. And it's this part. And this is the exciting part, okay? We just said everything from chapter four on is future, right? But here's why you should be excited about what we're going to study this morning and next Sunday night. Because what John teaches us first, before he gets to chapter 4, is for us right now. It's for us in the church right now, before the tribulation, before the rapture. This applies to us now. What is Jesus doing in heaven? Jesus has ascended to the Father, right? Matthew chapter, or excuse me, Acts chapter 1. The disciples are watching him as he ascends through the clouds, and I'm sure their mouths are dropped wide open like, where are you going? You just rose from the dead, except he's not just up there doing nothing. What we get to study about this morning and next Sunday night is what is Jesus doing in his church? And so that's what we're going to look at. Look at chapter 1, verse number 9. Chapter 1, verse number 9. John says this, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow." And his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice burnt, excuse me, his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, and this would be all of us, right? When I saw him. I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks... The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Let's pray, and then we'll dive in, okay? Father, we love you, and Lord, I pray that this morning and these next few moments that you would both encourage us and challenge us, and Lord, I pray that you would change us. I pray that 
Or there might be some in the room, and as we even talk about coming to the book of Revelation, the first thought is intimidation. But Lord, I pray that you would remind us, and Lord, teach us and show us and demonstrate to us this morning the blessing that you have promised to us as we study this book. Help us to be not just hearers, but doers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. John began the book of Revelation telling us the purpose of it, the first three verses. He greets us and tells us who he is, the writer is. And then you come to verse 9, and John begins to sort of give the testimony and explain what's going on in, uh, that, that led him to write this letter to these churches to begin with. And so this morning, we're going to see Jesus at work in his church in three different ways. We may not get through all three of them. We may have to come back next Sunday night. The first one is this, John's personal testimony. John's personal testimony. Who is it that God uses to do his work on the, church, on the earth now? It's us, isn't it? We are the church, right? We are the bride of Christ. Jesus says, I am the light of the world while I'm in the world. And now who's the light of the world? It's us. And so look with me this morning at John's personal testimony. Well, you look at verse number nine. John gives his testimony and he really tells us three things about himself. And these three things should be um, true about your life and mine. And I hope this morning maybe we'll take a look and see if that is true. Here's the first one, all right? John's personal testimony is this. He labels himself as a Christ follower. He labels himself as a Christ follower. You say, what does that mean? Do you tell people that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? That's something we should do, isn't it? Boy, when the opportunity comes up and you're in a conversation with someone, um, it could be at a restaurant, it could be at a coffee shop, it could be in Walmart, it could be in your neighborhood, verbally telling people that I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what John says as he introduces his testimony to these churches, including us. Verse 9, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and in patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. First of all, he labels himself as the writer again. But he does it in sort of a strange way, doesn't it? I, John. And that's kind of like saying, me, Tim. It's almost, this is the third time, by the way, John tells us who he is in the first nine verses of this letter. Why? Why does John say it that way? And we don't know exactly because he doesn't tell us, except to me it just kind of sounds like John is almost astonished as we are that he got to see and gets to write what he's about to tell us. Like me, John, I got to see Jesus on the Lord's Day in this rock, on this rock island called Patmos. But he labels himself as the writer, but he labels himself as this. Listen, he says, I am your brother. When John writes or excuse me, when the apostles write almost all of the New Testament books, they write them from a position of authority as apostles. Here's John, almost at the end of his life, not writing from that position necessarily of an apostle, but writing, verse 9 says, as a brother, as a brother. You say, what's the point? Why why does that even matter? Well, if you were here last Sunday night, we talked about the end of verse number 6 in verse 5, didn't we? That John gives this doxology unto him. In other words, the church's point, purpose, the purpose of this church and every church that preaches the Bible is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And though John had the wonderful privilege of being an apostle, he's not writing this from an apostle's position. He's writing this as a messenger. He just wants them to get what Jesus has given to him, what he's seen and what he's heard. He says, I'm your brother. But I'm not just your brother, he says, verse number nine, I am your companion. Companion. You say, what's the big deal about that? Look at verse nine. Read it with me, will you? I'll read it out loud. You follow along. John, who also am your brother and companion, but companion in what? Your companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. Three things. But he says he's the companion of these folks. Now, you say, what's the point? If you read the first eight verses, it sounds like somebody giving a victory speech. I mean, it sounds, for good reason, right? But look, folks, listen, John isn't writing the book of Revelation from a position of, in a fairy tale world. He's writing from an island in the Aegean Sea that he's been sent to after historically being boiled in oil to live the rest of his life in hard labor. And listen, here's the point, for doing the right thing. For doing the right thing. He says, I am your companion in tribulation. But not just tribulation, in the kingdom and in patience, having to endure under the pressure that comes in this spiritual battle that we're in when we live for the Lord Jesus Christ. He labels himself as their brother, as their companion. In the end of verse 9, he says this, not just their companion, not just his brother, but he says in the tribulation, the kingdom, and the patience of who? Of Jesus Christ. In other words, the tribulation he was experiencing the blessing of being in the kingdom, the difficulty of having to endure under patience was for Jesus Christ. When's the last time that you or I had a difficult moment for Jesus Christ's sake? I understand human nature. We were talking about this with the teenagers in Sunday school this morning. Human nature is, and we all are this way, right? And I think we would all say we're going to continue to be this way. We want to avoid tribulation at all costs, right? Hey, by the way, we ought to vote for people that will help us to be able to live a godly and peaceable life in all quietness and godliness, right? We're not inviting tribulation, but here's what Jesus teaches us, isn't it? If we live the way Christ lived, we will be hated by some. Here's John, and John says, I label myself as a Christ follower, but he didn't just label himself that way, did he? Look at the rest of verse 9. He not only labels himself as a Christ follower, but he lives like a Christ follower. The second half of verse 9 says this, I was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I don't want to rehash all this again, but can you just think about that for a minute? John was taken prisoner. 
probably beaten if we know the Roman history like we know Romans. Again, boiled in oil. That didn't work. So now Domitian's angry and sends him to an island with a bunch of other true criminals where he's digging out rocks and boulders so the Roman Empire can take them back on ships and build their empire. And he's in that spot for preaching about Jesus, for teaching people the truth. John says, I didn't just label myself to these other Christians as a, as a follower of Christ. I'm living it, John says, right? I'm in chains because I am a follower of Christ. He labels himself as a Christ follower. He's living like a cross follower. And here's where we'll probably have to stop this morning. John loves like a Christ follower. John is loving like a Christ follower. We're coming into what holiday season here? Valentine's, right? And I didn't necessarily plan this this way, but the Lord just worked it out this way. What is true love? See, what we could really say about John is this. John is chained in an island as a prisoner of the Romans because of one word, and the word is love. You say, how does Christ love? Well, look back up at verse number Seven, will you? Verse number seven. Excuse me, verse number five. I'm sorry, verse five. From Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. See, what what is true love? Well, Jesus... The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. In other words, think about this for a minute. God looks down at an earth, at a humankind who has rejected him. Who, who in the very beginning, Adam and Eve said, didn't want to follow his only rule. And from then on, every person's human nature has been self-centered, right? Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Look not every man on his own things. Let every man esteem others as better than themselves because our human nature is, life's about me, right? Look at our culture. If you want to see the perfect example of self-centered humanity, it's American culture, isn't it? It's I want what I want, when I want it, where I want it. Listen, it's not the way Jesus lived. Jesus looked down at an earth filled with people who had rejected him and were sinners. And he left heaven and came to earth to die for us so that those of us who were his enemy could be made his children. Now think about John for a minute. Why is John on the island of Patmos? Because he was telling people that hated Jesus and hated him that God Almighty loved them. And that God Almighty came to earth to die for them. He loves like Christ because, number one, oh, sorry, let me jump past that. Apparently, I didn't put it on the slide. He loves like Christ because here's the first thing I put listen, he loved Christ first. He loved Christ first. How do you love people that hate you? 
Is that easy? Folks, listen, let me ask you a question. This week, if you go out and start telling everybody that you're lost in sin, is everybody going to like you? Take your Bible just for a minute. Go to the book of John with me, will you? John 15. John 15, and look at verse 17. And hold your, I should have said this already, but hold your place in Revelation. John 15, look at verse 17. Jesus is teaching his disciples, including the one we're reading about right now in Revelation chapter 1. Here's what Jesus says, John 15, verse 17. These things I command you that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come, and listen to what he says. Jesus says, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had what? Sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. See, Jesus doesn't beat around the bush, does he, when he teaches his disciples. He says, guys, listen. They hated me. The world, right? And and the world in Scripture is an idea of those that are of the world, right? Those that have not received Christ's message. Those that are of the world hated Jesus. And all you got to do to know that is just read the Gospels, right? Where did he end up? On a cross. One of the most horrific forms of painful death there is. But he says, they hated me because I told them the truth. You see that? They hadn't known sin except I came. You know what love does? In fact, we don't have time to turn to it, but if I had you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses, I think it's 4 through 9, Paul's description of what true love is. You know what he says halfway through that description? Love rejoices in the truth. Love rejoices in the truth. You say, well, Pastor Tim, are you just telling us we just need to go out here and be antagonistic towards the world, the community that we live in? No. But here's what I'm telling you the scripture teaches all of us. And John knew it better than any of us. We are not called to be loved by the world. We are called to love the world. We're not called to be loved by the world. We're called to love the world, aren't we? And what I mean by that is not the world's system. Jesus taught us love not the world, right? We're talking about the people Uh, For God so loved the world. See, here's John. He's on an island in the middle of the Aegean Sea, and he's there because he loved Christ. He's there because he loves people. Because he loves people. And see, here's the hard thing about the Christian life, isn't it? The Christian life 
is people like you and me loving someone, telling them the truth. They get angry and respond with hate or whatever other form of response that's unaccepting. And you know what our response is supposed to be? Jesus, hanging on the cross, says this, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Stephen, the first martyr, is being stoned to death with rocks, and as they're hitting him in the face, he says what Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Here's the apostle John who's been through all of this torture for Christ, and you know what he's still doing? He's on the Lord's day. He's faithfully worshiping Christ. And he sends a message to seven churches hoping it'll go through the whole world about what's happening in the future. You know why? Because he loves Christ and he loves people. The scripture doesn't tell us this, but I just wonder what happens if Domitian finds out that John sent a letter to seven churches? I mean, surely, surely the pressure was strong enough, right? Surely the the tribulation had been bad enough. Man, I'm just going to stop serving God. It's too hard. Folks, we have no idea what it means to be hard to serve Christ, do we? Not in American culture. Praise the Lord for the culture we live in, but let's not take it for granted. Let's not be creatures who've been cursed by our comfort. Let's be people that say, you know what? We want to love the Christ that loved us so much that he died for us by living for him. John says Jesus is at work in his church, and the first way he's doing it is through us, through people. Now, next, next week, we get into the really good stuff. So you've got to come back next Sunday night, okay? You've got to come back tonight first, though. But can I just ask you a simple question this morning as we, as we close? And it's this. How can a person in this situation has such a victorious perspective on life? And it's, it's almost impossible to even put ourselves in that circumstance, isn't it? How do you even imagine being on a a rock island with nothing but criminals after you've been tortured the way he was tortured and yet have such a victorious perspective? And here's the reason. John knows Jesus and John knows the future. See, folks, this morning, if you know those two things, like a river, glorious is God's perfect peace. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and you know what's going to happen in the future, then we can live victoriously every day, can't we? You'd say, well, we may not know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's true. Jesus does. And Jesus knows what's going to happen the day after tomorrow in eternity, future. And he loved us and died, verse 5 says, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. This morning, are we labeling ourselves as Christians? And if we're doing that, number two, are we living our lives as Christians? And then number three, are we loving the world around us? And first of all and foremost, are we loving the Lord above us the way that he loved us? Let's pray this morning. Father, we love you today. And we are, Lord, we're humbled by the testimony of the Apostle John. Here's a man that gave his whole life for you. And Lord, what he received at the end of it was persecution, tribulation, 
difficulty. But yet, Lord, he knew that this world was not the place for reward. Lord, eternity is what we live here for. Help us to think that way. Lord, it is so easy for me, and I'm sure for all of us, to live for the here and the now, to live for the moment, to forget, Lord, that one day we will stand before you. And Lord, protect us from the false teaching that is so prevalent today of the health and wealth gospel. Lord, that if we serve you, we'll never have a problem, we'll never have a difficulty. Lord, certainly John would have not agreed with that. May we serve you today, may we live for you today because you're worthy. May we love you because you first loved us. Lord, may we love the world because you love the world. May we be the light of the world that you've called us to be. And Lord, we are thankful, though we haven't studied it yet, we are thankful for the role that you play in our church, in our lives, every single day. So Lord, help us this morning to label ourselves publicly as Christians, but then, Lord, not just to call ourselves Christians, to live like John, or to live and to love the world around us like you did. We need your help to do it. We ask you for it this morning in Jesus' name. Eyes are closed, heads are bowed this morning. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand to your feet with me. Just invite you this morning to... Talk to the Lord. If, you need, if you'd like to come and kneel here at this altar, certainly you're welcome to do that. If you'd like to kneel at your seat or if you'd like to just pray quietly in your heart there. But can I ask, yourself, can I ask you this morning those three questions again? Does the world know that you label yourself a Christian? And if you've done that, are you living your life in the eyes of the world, the eyes of your family, as Christ would and did? And are we loving the world around us, the way that Christ did. Enough to tell them the truth. Enough to tell them about a God in heaven that loved them so much that he sent his only begotten son. Boy, what a testimony John had. What is our testimony today? As the piano plays, you do business with God in whatever way he's dealt with your heart about. And if we can help you in any way, please let us do that. That's what we're here for. Christ is your Savior. If there's someone that you'd like for someone to pray with you, talk with you, nothing can take the place of knowing your sins have been washed away by the blood of Christ. You're going to see Jesus one day. Amen? What a glorious promise. I ask the pianist to just finish this verse and that'll be all. Make decisions that count for time and eternity. If we can be of any help to you, you come, let someone pray with you and help you.
And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Would you be seated just for a minute, please? And I appreciate Tim sharing that challenge with us. And, and I'm looking forward. We've already had two or three runs through Revelation. And so we just want to challenge you. Of course, we have a missionary coming tonight. We hope you'll be back. But also next Sunday as Tim uh, continues to run through the book of Revelation with us or roam through it, we'll see. And aren't you thankful for knowing Christ as your Savior? And we know the end of the story if you're a born-again Christian. Amen? Fellas, can you turn this mic on for me, please? All right. Would you folks stand up here with me? Some of you have met this couple. This is Van and Bonnie Cutts, C-U-T-T-S, and they moved into this area recently, and uh, they had been praying, seeking the Lord's will for a church family, and they've been visiting our church for some time. Van, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Amen. And you have followed your Lord in believers' baptism. You love Jesus as the preacher was chanting, and you want to live for Jesus and serve him. Amen. Bonnie, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Amen. And you have followed your Lord in believers' baptism, and you love the Lord and want to live for him and serve him. Amen. Bonnie's mother will be 95 next month and she's out of town often helping to take care of her mother and sometimes man's here by himself and they didn't ask me to say that but I know they appreciate prayers for for her mother and so forth and this couple desires to be members of Valley Baptist Church is their emotion all right uh, brother Dave Cash in second all right Jer- Jerry Shifflett all in favor of making no more saying amen all opposed say, oh, me, and uh, God bless you, brother. It's a joy to serve the Lord. And I believe you asked me a question. I thought about this, uh, that do we ever sing an invitation? You know, matter of fact, uh, another lady that's not here today said, I got saved. I went forward in a church service and got saved when they were singing, just as I am without one plea. <laughs> I tell you what, a lot of people have walked an aisle of the church with just as I am without one plea. Amen. There's no absolute scripture way to how to give an invitation. The main thing is just invite people to Jesus. But we get away from that sometimes, don't we? And believe me, we do. I thought about that as we were, had, and often we have you to stand and have your heads bowed and so forth. But the main thing is that you come to Jesus, isn't it? Bonnie and Van, we welcome you into the church family. We're looking forward to serving the Lord together, and we appreciate your testimony. Stand with us, and I'm going to ask uh, Van and Bonnie to just remain here at the front if they don't mind, and just come by and introduce yourself to them. Boy, we need each other, and let them know you're going to be praying for them and we're going to be serving the Lord together. <clears throat> if you're interested in getting more information about the mission trip to Canada, as soon as you have time to come by and meet the cups, if you'll meet Tim back this direction in the teen room, he'll be glad to give you more information about that, all right? Good day. God bless you. See you tonight. <laughs>